we are entering, this whole week is known as Holy Week. Celebrate Easter on Sunday. Um, I don't know about you, I regularly, you get to this time of the year, but you get to Sunday and you're like, yay, Easter. Yeah, I know what it's about. But we don't, as Christians, I don't think we take the time to sort of sit in the reality of, of this God, Jesus Christ, who we um, love and worship and adore. He's our Savior. He's, he's everything to us as a Christian. And a lot of times we let Easter come and go, and uh, we, don't, we just don't think about it that much. Um, so I wanted us to take a, a night just to think about, I mean, Easter's technically Sunday, but the, the, stu- the, the, the events of Christ's life on his final days, final week of life. And so I'm just going to read this passage tonight, and then I want to, I'm going to show you a video, uh, and I'll explain that in a second. But this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, it says, this, this is a great little nutshell statement about just what the gospel is. So this is the Apostle Paul. He writes this, now, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you of the good news that I preached to you, that I told you about, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, by this good news, you are saved. So how are you saved? You're not saved by being a good person. Some of you, many of you know that um, if you've grown up in the church. Others of you go, really? Um, like, really? Aren't I sort of saved by, you're not, you're not saved by being a good person, by your church attendance, by doing good things, nice things, I don't know. By this gospel, there, there's news that happened, history. There were events that took place, and by that you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. It's just in vain. Who cares? It's not correct. It's not true. And so he says this, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Colon. So this is it. This is, this is like the big news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And I always want to say, I said this last week, I did this on Sunday, why did he die? It wasn't just a cool, inspirational, sentimental thing. That's awesome that Christ died. He died because the ways of sin is death. The penalty for sin, our sinfulness, our rebellion against the holy God. Some of us don't like the word sin. Our rebellion, however you want to think of it, we've rebelled against God our maker, the God of the universe. The God who created us and loved us. And it's just within us. You don't want to be a bad person, right? But we just do. There's this brokenness within us. So the Bible says, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And so somebody has to pay that. And um, graciously you go, does God allow substitutes? Like, really? Somebody else can, can like, pay my... Well, no. Jacob man could not pay the price for my sins because, sorry, Jacob, to let you know, Jacob has his own sins that deserve death. But if there was a, like a spotless, sinless person, um, God allows grace and he allows substitutes. Yeah, that's the goods of the gospel, that Jesus could die in our place. And so Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried, so he was dead. He died, it says, and he was buried. Um, we just hear this so, like the familiar becomes unfamiliar because we've heard it so many times. Um, he was dead for three days. And a dead guy came back to life, right? Just like that happens all the time. Like, think about that for a second. How crazy that is. And yes, Jesus raised Lazarus. So there's other accounts of he raised this little girl, Jairus' daughter. We just read about that today in Mark, I believe. Uh, but he was dead and he came back to life three days later. He defeated death. Verse 5, then he appeared to Cephas, to Peter, 
And then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still, are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Um, it's really pretty simple. Like, that's the point of all this. I like to say this, that um, we're not saved by the teachings of Christ. You're saved by Christ. In Christianity, you're not saved by teachings even. You're not saved, like I said, by you being good and good, doing good things. But you're also not saved just by knowing a lot of stuff and knowing the teachings of Christ. I'm going to show a video, and this is just, I just really like uh, this perspective this gives. We sort of see, this is by uh, two guys called the Skit Guys, sort of well-known in Christian circles, among youth pastors especially. And so they're sort of doing a skit in this video. But they represent six different people that Jesus encountered in his final week and sort of give their perspective. And uh, so it's only about nine minutes. And then... Um, I'm going to come back up here. We're going to sing a few more songs. We're going to take communion tonight. Um, So I'm really excited uh, just about what we're doing. You guys, let this stuff sink in. Um, What happened on Friday, what we talk about, we don't don't celebrate it on Friday, but Jesus' crucifixion, and then think about the reality of Easter. So. It it was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. Um, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, hey, Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. <laughs> Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, what's Jesus doing with the foot water? You know, I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet. <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He uh, didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange, yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence? Peter. No way you're going to wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't going to wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not going to wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine. He blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood. And he said, um, tonight all of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I couldn't just sit there. I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled. He said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. Once we got to the garden, um, it's just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with him and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, 
Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Uh, and I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. I'm praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Do you just betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, and then it, it got crazy. Uh, Peter... Peter grabs a sword and he he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him. But we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that I've killed him. I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. What the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotten in a jail cell, for stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew. The next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? It was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. And then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting, Barabbas. I mean, I mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd and, and, they, and they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, I mean one minute, I, I am a man marked for death. And then the next, I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. 
So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hit us. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away, he fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down, but this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive. It should have been me up there. I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up, and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished. And then, he died. Surely, this man was the son of God. <laughs>